Okay, this time for real. Welcome everyone. Shalom Aleichem. This is our second to last year before the Yom Tov of Pesach. And uh, we now begin Sefer Vayikra, even though tonight's share is not on Vayikra. It's going to be on the Yom Tov of Pesach, but the Shurim on Vayikra are again graciously sponsored by the Zakheim family. Thank you very much again for sponsoring uh, this series. Lulay Nishmas, their husband... And father of Shlomo Eliezer ben Rav Yaakov, Neshama Shavad Aliyah, B'yomel Siyoshifat HaMeshpachad, B'yaskel Tzedek. And tonight's shir is sponsored by my good friends David and Jacob Mala, in honor of Rabbi Gladstein. Thank you. And Rabbi Dovi ben Shushan for spreading Rabbi Gladstein's Divrei Torah in Brooklyn. Wow, that's far away. And as a zuchus for Hatzlacha for Mazal Bas Margalit, she should be Matsliach Bechol in Yoneha. Okay, here we go. Top 10 Divrei Torah on uh, the Haggadah Shal Pesach from Maran Rav Chaim Knievsky Shlita. Um, I always think that Rav Chaim, besides being the Sar HaTorah, you know, Rav Chaim has a unique title, the Sar HaTorah, the Prince of the Torah. The story goes that when Reb Chaim was once giving shir on a particular kosher locust, and he was having a difficult time explaining it and understanding it, the locust flew in uh, through the window, and it's a rare breed, and Reb Chaim was able to see it firsthand. Uh, an Avreich once came to Reb Chaim, who had a difficult time remembering Shas, so Reb Chaim said, learn it 613 times. So they asked Reb Chaim, is it Shaykh to learn Shah 613 times? He said, the Chazonish told him the Shagasari learned Shas a thousand times, and you could Chazer Shas in 30 minutes in your mind. Okay, uh, probably that means the main uh, ideas, or who knows. But I always think, besides Rebchaim being the Star HaToyrah, he also has uh, a good sense of humor. Because you know, to be able to deal with so many people every single day, the only way you could be soyvel such a thing is, uh, you know, he has a very healthy um, appreciation for for the <laughs> humorous uh, aspects of life. Uh, and perhaps some of that we'll see here as well. But here are ta- 10 top chidushim Reb Chaim Knievsky on Haggadah, called from eight different svarim of Reb Chaim Knievsky. And let us begin with number one. This is actually a very short share, uh, so even though we started a little bit late, but it's a, it's a brief subject because I could tell you're just itching to go home to help your wife's clean. And uh, actually the story goes that there was a guy who, um, his wife said, look, do me a favor. I know you're not a big helper. Just get out of the house. Just get out of my hair. So the guy, uh, fine, he, in the morning... He says, what am I going to eat? What am I going to... He said, here, take your Danish, take your coffee, and just get out. So the guy leaves the house in the morning. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He goes to the bakery. He buys another cheese Danish. He goes into the base medrash. He holds the safer upside down, right side up. After about 45 minutes, he's sitting on shvilkas. He meanders back into the house. And she says, I, I, I didn't want you to help. I just asked you to get out of the house. He said, the whole day I need to help you. You know? So... <laughs> Um, 
So I could tell you want to be very helpful and you want to get back to the cleaning, so I'm going to facilitate that. It's a brief share tonight. First, let's talk about the Simone Haseder. Now, who wrote the Simone Haseder? Kadesh, Orchatz, Karpas, Yachatz. It is for sure from the Rishonim, either from Rashi or one of the Balei HaToysvis. And what's very interesting, Rav Chaim observes, is that the Vav HaChibor, even though you could really use it by any of the Simonim, Kadesh, Orchatz, V'Karpas, V'Yachatz, V'Magir, V'Rachtov, Uma, we only use the Vav one time. Orchatz, Kadesh, Orchatz. Why does the Vav get to the Orchatz? Yeah, why not? V'Nirza, V'Shulchan Arach. So Chaim says it's a halacha. Because we know that when you make Kiddush, you have to have Kiddush B'Makoim Suda. Right? So, what does Kiddush Makam Suda mean? Kiddush Makam Suda means that when you make Kiddush on Shabbos morning, you must have a Suda afterwards. Otherwise, simply, you're not Yotze Kiddush Makam Suda. And then you weren't Yotze Kiddush, and then you ate without Kiddush. You hear what happens? If a guy, let's say, eats, makes Kiddush, and then eats a lollipop, number one, he wasn't Yotze Kiddush Makam Suda. Number two, then his Kiddush wasn't good. Number three, he ate without Kiddush. Now I'm going to say a few very unpopular halachas. What can I do? Halacha number one is when you make Kiddush, you need to have a kais. It cannot, and it should not be disposable. It should not be a plastic cup. A plastic cup is for sure not good. It's not, uh, it's not l'chachila. Number two, you need wine, not schnapps. Schnapps is not yayin. So people say, can I use chamar medina? For sure, if you live in Biafra where wine is not available, you definitely can make Kiddush on schnapps. But even though we're in COVID, wine is readily available, you have to make Kiddush on wine. If you want to use schnapps, you just, you know, you'll have to use a full revius and drink most of it, which is, you know, suitable for genuine alcoholics. But the correct way to make Kiddush is you have to use a kais, which is a um, permanent cup, you have to use wine, and you have to drink most of it. Furthermore, if you make Kiddush and you eat gefilte fish, and then you go home and you wash... You were not Yotze Kiddush. And therefore you ate without Kiddush. Why? You must eat Mazonis. You have to eat Mazonis. That's the only way to be Yotze Kiddush Makam Suda. So Pesach presents a very uh, formidable challenge because either you could wash or you can have Mazonis. But many people don't eat Gebrachs on Pesach. So what do you do? So you don't make Kiddush. You just make Kiddush and then you wash. Or you eat Gebrachs. Rabbi Pincha Scheinberg has a chiddush that a piece of potato kugel, you could be yotze kiddush makam suda, it's considered a meal food. Okay, not, it's not unanimously uh, accepted, but back to the ranch, you need to make kiddush b'makam suda. So what do you do the night of the seder? You make kiddush and you're not having, now I'll tell you uh, a leniency. And that is kiddush b'makam suda, instead of having mezonis, you can have a revius of wine. But that's besides the wine you need to drink for Kiddush. So first you have to drink majority of a Revius for Kiddush, which is, Revius is 3.3 ounces, you drink 1.7 ounces. And then you drink another 3.3 ounces. So if you're, if you're an anti-carb guy, and you don't like to eat cake, and you want to be Yotze Kiddush, then instead of having cake, you could just drink 5 ounces of wine. Okay, that's another alternative. Or 5 ounces of grape juice, which uh, on Pesach is uh, sometimes what I would do if I'm not having the meal for a while. Okay, so either you have mezoinos, so I happen to eat gabrachs, um, and so if, you, if I have a good piece of gabrachs, that will do it. So you can have, for kiddush, you only need roi bravias, 1.7 ounces, 
and then you have mazoinos. If you don't want mazoinos, you can have five ounces of uh, grape juice. Okay, fine. So what do you do the night of the Seder? Because you're making Kiddush, and then you're not, by the way, if you don't like the halachas I said, well, what can I tell you? Those are the halachas. But please still listen to the rest of the shir. So, um, what do you do the night of Seder? It's not Kiddush Makam Sudan, because you're not having Sudan for about four hours. So you made Kiddush, and you didn't have the Sudan. The answer is you started the Suda. How did you start the Suda? You had Karpas. That's the beginning of the Suda. But that means you do need to do the Karpas right away. So therefore it says, Kadesh Urchatz! Immediately you wash your hands. Right after Kiddush, that's not the time for, you know, for your seven-year-old daughter to take out her notebook and to read uh, you, like, you know, the Declaration of Independence with 73 clauses of the Torah before you wash your hands. That, you know, she could take it out during the Seder. However, at that point of time, after you make Kiddush, or perhaps you need to wash your hands immediately. It says Rav Chaim, that's why it says, Avav, Kaddish, Orchatz. Okay? You don't need to eat a minimum amount? Of, uh, so it's like this. It seems like the Lamda says you do. So then you're not supposed to eat a Kazayat of Karpat. Right, exactly. You're not supposed to, but at least it's the Haschala of the Suda. So you're not Yoytse... Kiddush, what it does is it begins the Suda. So you need to juxtapose the, you need to juxtapose the Kiddush to the Haschalas Suda. That's what it sounds like. It says you have to have Kiddush B'makam Suda. It doesn't say you have to have Kiddush. Yeah, the same place. So if you're at the table, you're going to have the Suda in about two hours, you're at the same place. B'makam Suda. It doesn't say... It sounds like if it's a different Zman, it's not that Makam either. I mean, the fact that you can have a meal in three days from now, it, though we can't say it's B'makam Suda. B'makam means, in doesn't mean the place, place, means in the context of. So we're not going anywhere, we're staying at that table. Yeah, but uh, it sounds like, that's there. not the, the context. Makam is not just uh, space. It sounds like it's time as well. It's inclusive of the, the context of the meal. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you thought that was unpopular, here we come to the next unpopular one. Now this one's going to be popular among this segment of the uh, clientele, namely among the men. Among the women, I don't know if it's going to be so popular. So the general rule of our shiurim is not everything that you hear here needs to be repeated, right? You have to know, Now we know that uh, we live in times where there's almost nothing you could say that's acceptable. So you might as well say the truth. I always say, you might as well say the truth because they'll be upset at you anyway. Whatever. Okay. The halach is as follows. A woman, says the mechaber, does not lean when she drinks a dalek Unless she's chashav. She doesn't have to, right? A woman does not have to lean unless she's important. <laughs> so unless a woman is important, she doesn't have to lean. What? Says the Ramah, all of our women are considered important. You better believe it. Right? All of our Nashim are considered Chashev. So Chaim Knievsky very much uh, likes to elicit uh, discussion and learning and chidud um, and learning and sharp uh, conversation and learning. So Reb Chaim would ask riddles. And one of the riddles Reb Chaim would ask is when exactly in history did women become chashav? 
That means originally women were not chashav, and then they became chashav. What happened in history to make women chashav? You know, when they when they allowed to vote, when exactly? But here it's the it's before the Ramah. Yeah, but it sounds like in times of uh, the Rishonim, they weren't Chashav. And in times of the early Achroinim, they became Chashav. So Rav Chaim says an amazing thing. There's a man by the name of Rabbeinu Gershon. Until Rabbeinu Gershon, a man could marry many, many wives. He could have a wife for one day of the week, for Sunday, Monday. He could have many wives. At that point in time, a, w- a woman wasn't so Chashav. She was one of many. But then Rabbi Gershon said you can only marry one wife. And at that point of time, the woman's status was elevated to be uh, Isha Chashuvah because once you take her, you can't take anybody else. I would add, not only that, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar also was Masakein that that one wife you have, you can't divorce her against her will. In other words, before Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, if you... You could have many wives, and even if you had one, if you wanted to dismiss her, you could say, have a nice day. She said, no! And you say, yes, and that's it. Rabbi Gershon said that you can't divorce your wife against her will. So that elevated her status as well. And lo and behold, I found in the Chosh of Sefer, Rabbi Chaim Knievsky on Zmirois by Art Scroll, that there it says that in fact Rabbi Chaim said both Svaras of... Uh, that we mentioned, that a woman is considered a chashav when Rabbeinu Gershon was a sak, and you can't marry more than one wife, and you can't divorce her against your will. That is the second Vartoira, which I don't necessarily recommend you say over at the Seder table, but uh, it is what it is. It's very interesting historically that Rabbeinu Gershon elevated the status of Nashim. Okay, number three. The Maish of the Ramah says women don't lean because they are Semechan the Ravya, but um, I think Bizman has that they do. Okay. Next, this comes from the Hagadar Shel Pesach Tairas Chaim. Rav Chaim wants to know about the placement and the real estate of the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Sheni Dei If you would have to arrange them at a table, who would you put next to who? I would have thought, put the Chacham, he's a, he's a Tzaddik, put him next to the simpleton, anyway he's going to sit there like a Goylam the whole time. The Sheni Yedei Elishal also, also the, you know, just think of it, whoever the father of these four kids are, how much Nachas does he have, you know? <laughs> but Lamaisa, I would put the Chacham next to the Tom and the Sheni Yedei Elishal, and put the Rasha off in the corner. No, that's not how they're arranged. The Chacham and the Rasha are here. The Tom and Shani Delishal are there. Why, why does the Rasha get such good real estate? I mean, the Rasha, if you look in all the picture Haggadahs, he's like, he has a big club. He's going to sack someone over the head. He has a gun. He has, uh, he's going to take, I don't know, uh, drugs or something. He's, he's, he's a member of the Communist Party. So wh- why is he associating with the Tom and the Shani Delishal? And the answer is, says Reb Chaim, a Russia is much better than a Tom and a Shani Why? Because a Tom and Shani Yadei they're an Amaretz. An Amaretz will always be an Amaretz. He, no, he has no real hope. The Russia, at least he's smart. He's smart. He could turn it around. He could do tshuva. In fact, says Reb Chaim, what's the Raya? By the way, this might not be the most popular Dvar Also, you might want to save this one for... Uh, Achron Shal Pesach, you know, at the Shal Shudas in the Shul. But um, 
Rav Chaim says, the raya is, the Gemara Mishachim says, the worst thing in the world is to marry your daughter to an Amaretz. It's like you're, you're giving her to a wild animal. And even though you're now to marry your daughter to an Amaretz, Yaakov Avinu was punished for not marrying Dino off to Esau. So you're punished for marrying your daughter to, uh, to an Amaretz, and you're punished if you're not marrying off your daughter to a big Russia. I mean, how do you reconcile that? Yaakov was expected to marry off his daughter to Esau, and the Gemara Pesachim says, marrying your daughter to Namaritz is like marrying him, her to a monster. So it sounds like it's better to marry off your daughter to uh, an Esav than to marry, him off, marry her off to some uh, Amaretz. He says, Reb Chaim, that's right. Because at least a Russia could become a Chacham. He could become a Tzadik. In fact, in Navardic they say the same thing. You ever hear the story in Navardic? It says that Rivka was passing by a house of uh, Tyra and someone was kicking to get out. And uh, she was passing by a house of Adazar, someone was kicked to go out. So she said, Ayve, what's going to be? So she goes to the yeshiva, and Shem Be'ever say, Don't worry, you're going to have one kid who's going to be a Gadol Hadar, you know, a rebel Yashiv, and one kid is going to be Mamisha mass murderer like Hitler. Oh, she says, Baruch Hashem, a Basura Taiva, now she could rest easy. I don't understand. How did this exactly calm her nerves? What did she think that she was nervous about? And how did this report calm her? So in the Vatican, they said like this. Before she knew what was happening, she thought she was going to have one kid. And that kid is what? Wishy-washy. One day his friends say, go, he, let's go learn. He goes and he learns. The next day his friends said, let's go to uh, the pool hall. He goes to the pool hall. A kid like that, there's no hope. Because uh, the kid has no backbone. But once she heard, one's a tzaddik, and the other is a mamish or rasha. So now there's hope for both of them. Because at least uh, the kid has a backbone. Okay. The seal. What? The seal. The seal. Seal, right. <laughs> the seal. Very good. Okay, number four. Now we're getting to more um, a divetara for general audiences that you could say over, you know, to your family and to your children. I didn't promise you that these would all be appropriate for all audiences, but uh, they're all interesting. Arami oived avi vayered mitzrayim. The, the Haggadah says as follows. Lavan bikesh lakar sakal. Lavan wanted to destroy everything. Where in the Torah does it say Lavan wanted to destroy everything? You find in the Torah Lavan was making uh, concentration camps to destroy the Jewish people? He gets into a little disagreement with Yaakov. So I like to say Lavan bikesh lakar es hakoil. Avraham is koil. Yitzhak is uh, Avram is Bakoil, Yitzhak is Mikoil, and Yaakov is Koil. Lavan, Bikesh, Lakar, Es Ha, Koil. He wanted to kill Yaakov. But uh, literally, Lavan wanted to destroy all of Klaisa. Where do we find that? Also, what does it mean? Aram, Yoyvedavi, Lavan wanted to destroy our father, and Vayirid Mitzrayma. What does one thing have to do with the other? So, Rechaim Knievsky says the following Chidosh. There is a Medrash in the Sefer Hayashar. That when Lavan uh, departed from Yaakov, Lavan sent a telegram to Esav. He said, kill Yaakov! So Esav uh, was coming after Yaakov. And Esav's men said, don't kill Yaakov. You know why? If you kill Yaakov, there's a shtar choiv. That one of the children of Yitzchak have to go down to Mitzrayim. So if you kill Yaakov, you're going to go down to Egypt. So Esav backed off. And uh, Esav decided that he's going to wait until... 
uh, Kali Yisrael goes down to Mitzrayim, and as soon as Kali Yisrael goes down to Mitzrayim and we leave, then he's going to tell his grandson to kill us. And that's why Esau sent a message to Amalek. Hey, Amalek, my dear Enochal, do me a favor. As soon as the Jews leave Egypt, go kill them. Well, why did he tell Amalek to Dafka kill us then? Because Esau knew that if we go down before we go to Egypt, then he's going to have to go to Egypt. So therefore, Esau wanted to fulfill the, the bidding of Lavan, and therefore he was going to kill us. The only reason he didn't kill us is by Yered Mitzrayimah, because otherwise we, he would have to go down to Mitzrayim. So that's the meaning. Arami Yoi Lavan wanted to kill us. When? When he sent word to Esau that he should knock us off. And why didn't Esau knock us off? It's only because Vayirid Mitzrayim, because we had to go down to Mitzrayim, and if he would knock us off, then he would have to go down to Mitzrayim. Yeah, but it sounds like, ultimately, the reason why Esau backed off, maybe Eliphaz was only going to kill Yaakov, but not the children. But why did Esau ultimately back off of killing out the family? Because he was afraid of going down to Mitzrayim. Next, Makas Oroiv. My favorite Maka. It says by Makas Oroiv a unique um, phrase that it doesn't say by any other Maka. Hinini mashliach b'cha esa Oroiv. I'm going to incite against you Oroiv. I'm going to, uh, you know, send a visitation upon you. Why doesn't it say hinini mashliach b'cha esa tzvardeya? Hinini mashliach b'cha esa choyshech? any of the Makos. Why Dafka Mashliach by Aron? So actually, if you're a part of our program where we're reviewing Sakta Tainus, today's blot was as follows. Do you fast when wild animals are in the city? So the Gemara says that you only fast if it's a visitation, if the animals were sent against you. Meaning they're like heaven sent. The animals are rabid. They're like on a mission. They have to be Mashliach. An animal is only considered lethal if the animal is uh, sent against you. So Chaim says, since this maka is a maka of wild animals, and ma- wild animals are only lethal when they're sent against you, so therefore the Pasuk says, Hinini mashliach b'cha es ha'arayv. Okay, that is number five. Here we go to number six. Rabbi Yehuda haya noisein bohem simanim. Rabbi Yehuda would give simanim. What are the simanim? Adash, Be'achav. A few years ago, we had a we had a shear. Why did Rav Yehuda have to give the simanim? It doesn't seem to be rocket science. We gave many different perushim, but listen to Rav Chaim's kasha. It should say Rav Yehuda Nasan Bohem Simanim. Rav Yehuda gave simanim. What he would give simanim? Bohem Simanim. Should say he did. He gave. He provided simanim. So Rav Chaim says that the Lashem, he would, implies this, in fact, was Rabbi Huda's practice in Shas. Throughout Shas, Rabbi Huda would make mnemonics to help him remember different things. For example, there's a Gemara Menachas Andaf Tzadivav, regarding how do you tell the difference between the Lechem HaPonim and the Shtei HaLechem. And that is, Rabbi Huda would say, that the Shtei HaLechem is Zadad, seven Tfachim long, Four tefachim wide with four horns, and the lechem apanim were yahaz ten tefachim long, five tefachim wide, and seven horns. So we see Rabbi Huda haya nosim apanim. 
This was not something that Yehuda did one time. That was his general practice in Shas. He would uh, consistently make simanim. In fact, the stipler going writes that another example of this is in the Yushalmi and the Dorim, that when you need to write in a star, Adar Sheni, the Yushalmi says you should write Adar Tinyanan. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you can write Adar Taf. Why? Because Rabbi Yehuda holds, you can make a simon. Rabbi Yehuda believed in Neutrikain. Well, Marv Raboisai, one of the interesting things over here is um, we know Reb Chaim himself is very into abbreviations that we're going to come to very soon. But here we have in a sefer called Badidi Ahami Uvda on page Nun Vav, where it, it brings down that Rashi and Masech Tabracha is Chavhei Amad Beis. Rashi says the following: Lo yodati. I don't know. Yeah, Rashi says I don't know. Lo yodati. Comes Rabbi Kiva Eger in the Goyen Hashas, and Rabbi Kiva Eger collects many, many, many examples where Rashi in Shas and in Chumash says the words, Loyadati, I don't know. So Rabbi Chaim Kiyasu was asked, what in the world is Rabbi Kiva Eger doing? Rabbi Kiva Eger is trying to show how much Rashi didn't know? Like, what's a, what kind of collection is this? By the way, this is probably the longest comment of Rabbi Kiva Eger in the Goyen Hashas. What's Rabbi Kiva Eger trying to do? Trying to gather all the examples in Shas that Rashi didn't know. Oh, look how much Rashi didn't know. And furthermore, Rabbi Chaim Kinevsky on the side of his Gemara writes, here are more examples that Rabbi Kiva Eger didn't mention and he lists a dozens of more. So what's Rabbi Chaim Kinevsky doing? So they asked Rabbi Chaim, number one, what was Rabbi Kiva Eger doing? And why didn't Rabbi Kiva Eger know all the examples that Rashi didn't know? So Rabbi Chaim said like this, Rabbi Chaim says that it is a beauty and a chavivos for the Torah when you are metzayin and you make notes that this teaching is similar to other teachings elsewhere. It's like a decoration for the Torah. It's like a design for the Torah. It's tzitzim ufracham to the Torah. And when Rabbi Kivager was writing it, Rabbi Kivager didn't sit down and write every single example that he knew about. Rabbi Kivager just wrote what came to mind. And Rabbi Chaim, when he saw it, he wrote some other examples that came to mind. But that was uh, just an example of Rabbi Chaim's Bikiyos. But uh, I saw an interesting thing, by the way, Rabbi Chaim's humor. You know, Rabbi Chaim's shita is, if you have a problem in, in life, you should learn the Masechda Noigea to that problem. So for example, if, you, if your foot hurts, you should learn Hashar Vaharegel. If you have uh, eczema, you should write Ha'or Vaharoitev. If you, uh, well, you know, what? If Mount Rushmore needs repair, you should learn Arba Avois Nazikin. Or something like that. Okay. But he, that's my own addition. So, Reb Chaim, somebody once came to Reb Chaim and the guy said he has bed bugs, he has Kinim. And Reb Chaim said, So learn Masech the Kinim. So the guy, the guy said, Well, wait a second. Kinim, the lice is with a chaf, kaf, and uh, the Masech is with a kuf. Reb Chaim said, What do you mean? Bas chaf kabas kuf. Bas kuf kabas chaf. So. Anyway, anyone who's ever visited Reb Chaim knows that what does Reb Chaim say to you? Huh? Bua. Bua. So my brother has a Purim Torah. Yeah, what's Bua? Bua is Rashi Tevois, Bracha Vatzlacha. My brother has a, a Purim Torah. Someone came to Reb Chaim. And uh, for Bracha, Reb Chaim said, Bua. So the guy looks at Reb Chaim and he says, Gua. 
Uh, so Reb Chaim says, Magua. So the guy says to Reb Chaim, Magua. Reb Chaim says, Bracha v'atzlacha. So the guy says, Amen. <laughs> anyway, that's courtesy of uh, Rabbi Ari Glassman. Anyway, why does Reb Chaim say Buha? Why does Reb Chaim say Buha? Why can't he say Bracha v'atzlacha? So I was wondering this. I finally found in the Reb Chaim Knievsky Haggadah. It's based on the Sefer Hasidim that every person in their lifetime, he has a certain number of steps and a certain number of words. And therefore, Reb Chaim, if he is Mavarech, 200 people a day, probably more. So if he says, Bracha v'hatzlacha, it's two words. And if he says, Bua, it's one word. And so they asked Reb Chaim, could you make words out of uh, no tree coin? Reb Chaim brought a rye from Shas. That Ki Avraham stands for Ki Av Hamoin Goyim Nesaticha. So we make no trikon. Anyway, that's the Shita Rabbi Huda Haya Noisein Bohem Simanim. Okay, next. How many Makos and Mitzrayim? That's a hard one. No? Ten. Azriel Goldman. Shkayach. Very good. Maybe next week we'll discuss what they serve in the, in the Goldman House on Pesach, but that's beyond the scope of. Today's share, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no. But, um, ten, how many Al Hayam? Fifty. Fifty. Now, how many Psukim in the Torah describe the fifty Nisim Al Hayam? Nowhere. Doesn't say it anywhere. Why the ten miracles in Mitzrayim, it talks about at length, two full parshiyos, and the Nisim Al Hayam, it doesn't talk about it at all. So in the, in the Sefer Derech Sicha, the Derech Sicha is a book, um, it's actually like the first of a new genre of, of Svarim, which are not Svarim that Gedoylem wrote, but conversations people had with Gedoylem. And this was like the beginning of a new era of Svarim, where people would write, you know, I asked, I asked Rabbi Yashav the following 700 questions, you know. So one of the questions I asked Rav Chaim is why is there no mention in the Chumash of the Makos al-Hayam? And Rav Chaim said, it happened al-Hayam. B'nai Yisrael didn't see it. It happened to the, the Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim who were drowning. Well, the Mitzrayim drowned. So there was nobody to tell anybody about it. In other words, it seems like a very mysterious answer. But what Rav Chaim Kiyavsky seems to be saying is nobody saw the miracles al-Hayam. So if nobody saw them, they can't be recorded. Well then, how do we know they happened? If we know they happened, why aren't they recorded? So in the Reb Chaim Kinevsky Haggadah, it adds one little nakuda that adds uh, a lot of insight into what Reb Chaim means. We once said this over, a very beautiful idea. The most important concept in Judaism is really Olam Haba, that we're here in this world to prepare for Olam Haba. How many parshas in the Torah speak about Olam Haba? Zero. How many psukim in the Chumash describe Olam Haba? Zero. Why not? How could such an important concept be, so to speak, ignored in the Chumash? So if Aaron Cutler gave the following answer. The Torah is the blueprint of creation. The Torah is the architectural plans in creation. Whatever is in the architectural plans will be in the Bria. Whatever is not in the architectural plan will not be visible in the Bria. Because Rivan Shem didn't want anybody to see Olam Haba with the naked eye, Therefore, the Yvonne Shem omitted Olam Abba from the open, revealed text. 
So it's something which is ayin loyrasa alekim zosecha. So Moron Hagon Reb Chaim Knievsky says amazingly that the reason why the nisim alayam are not written in the chumash is they were not openly seen by anyone. The Mitzrayim drowned, and the Jews were on the other side of the sea, so they were hidden. So because they were hidden, they could not be openly recorded. But the, the nisim on the, uh, in Mitzrayim. They were, they happened in the open. Everybody saw them and therefore they have to be in the open text. What about Pharaoh? He saw them, you mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, how do we know they existed? We have a tradition from the Tarshabal Peh. Hashem told Moshe and Hatzina. Lemaise, you would have to, you would think that some of them are written. I mean, by Yabosha Chayam, by Salu Kaiferis, you would think there is some description of them, although they're not delineated like the other Makkah. Next question. Ruvain takes a gun, he shoots Shemayn, and he ruins Shemayn's Charles Terwitt non-iron shirt. So he goes to Bezdin, and uh, Ruvain was, uh, Ruvain was uh, warned. So Bezdin says, first of all, Yechai Misa, and uh, oh, you bought it this week? The Charles Terwitt shirts are $39.99 just this week. So you have to pay $39.99. Is he chayiv to pay Shimon $39.99? No. Not just because Shimon said, I could get it in yeshiva for $27.50, but because there's a rule of Kimle B'dirabim Ne. Ein, um, right, we have a rule that Ein um, Adam Mesumashalim. A person will not die in pain. What do we call that? Kimle B'dirabim Ne. So as for the Parshas Drachim, which is the Mishnah Lamelech's Sefer of Jerush Torah. The Mishnah Lamelech asks in the Parshas Drachim that how could HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only kill the Mitzrayim but take away their money? What happened to Kimle B'Dirav So Reb Chaim in the Sefer Darach Sicha responded that Hashem did not take away their money as a punishment. Hashem took away their money because we worked for them and they owed us the wages. In other words, Ruvain kills Shimon, and it happens to be Shimon does dry cleaning for Ruvain. So it doesn't mean Ruvain doesn't have to pay Shimon his dry cleaning bill. So Rubchaim Kievsky is citing a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daftzadi Aleph Amen Aleph. It says over there that the Bnei Mitzrayim came to uh, contend with the Jewish people, and the arbiter was Alexandra Smokta. So uh, the Mitzrayim said, I don't understand. God took away all, your mo- um, all of our money. Uh, you borrowed the money, give it back. It's not right. You guys are a bunch of robbers. Give us all the silver and gold you took from us. So the Chachamim were formulating a response. Meanwhile, there was a guy by the name of, of Gvia ben Pesisa. He was a hunchback. And he tells the rabbis, hey, I'm going to deal. I will fight with the Mitzrayim. If I win, if I win you'll say, uh, the Torah beat the Mitzrayim. And if I lose, you have nothing to lose. You'll just say that uh, you, you defeated the lowest among the Jews. So the Mitzrayim say, you know, look, you owe us so much money. So Gavir ben Pesisa says, okay, fine, make a cheshben. How much do we owe you? They said, $2.3 trillion. So Gavir ben Pesisa says, look, uh, you owe us money because 600,000 Jews worked for 430 years. So let's make a cheshben. So the Mitzrayim got all their accountants together and they never came back. So in other words, the money that we took out of Mitzrayim wasn't a punishment, it was the wages that they owed us. Parenthetically, the Chida has an amazing question on this Gemara. That the math is off. 
430 years? Who worked for 430 years? The Jews at most were in Egypt for 210. And how many years did we serve intensely? 86. So it's, uh, it's erroneous uh, counting. Says the Chida, but on the other hand, 600,000 is also erroneous because there were 3 million Jews who worked in Mitzrayim. Only one-fifth came out. So actually, the math, the math is precise. 430, 600,000 is the same thing as 3,086. In other words, it's just a fifth. That's the Indian. We were supposed to be in Mitzrayim 430 years, but we only did 86 years. How many years left do we have to make up? 344. We have to do four-fifths of the time. Who then took us out of Mitzrayim? Moshe. Moshe's Gematria, 345. We had to do another 344 years. Moshe is one more than 344. Moshe could be Moitzias from the 344. Why? Hashem says to Moshe, Zelcha Ha'ois. You have that one added numeral that could be Moitzias from 344 because you're 345. Now, one of the Chida writes in the name of one of the Kanmoinim, the Taras Chaim, that we drink four Kaisais. Kais is Gematria 86. Each Kais is Moitzias, another series of 86 years that we had to do in Mitzrayim. Now, we really owe 344, yeah? What do we call um, a time when the Goyim make very harsh decrees on the Jewish people? Shemad, Shin Mem Dalet, 344, that indicates this is just like a makeup for the 344 years that we still needed to be in Mitzrayim. This is all the Chida. Okay, now we move on to offering number 9. And that is, I'm going to tell you something, I don't think anybody knew this. I, I am embarrassed to admit I didn't know this either. We say this in Aleinu, and we say this in Ram Gamliel Haya Oimer, that loy hispig zinglotzekes achenikla aleim melech malche hamloche. And I'm embarrassed to say that I always thought, what does it mean, melech malche hamloche? The king of all kings. So you have kings, you have, you have King Charles and King uh, Henry, and God is the king of all kings. That's not what it means. Then it should say, Melech HaMelachim. What's Melech Malche HaMelachim? Now this is a very important rule. Whenever you buy a modern Sefer that's quoting earlier sources, never trust it. Look up the sources, unless you don't really care what it says. Because uh, they're very often misquotes. But here's an example of a misquote, but the, the author is a big Tamil Chacham. So his misquote I like better even than what it actually said originally. <laughs> What it said originally is, the Gemara in Chagiga says, the king of the wild animals is the lion, the king of the animals is the ox, the king of the birds is the eagle, man is the king of all, over all of them, and God is the king even over man. So the Melech is the Ari, the Nasher, and the Shar, the Melech HaMalachim is Adam, and the Melech Malche HaMalachim is God. The king over the king of kings. That's what Reb Chaim Kievsky said. The one who authored the Reb Chaim Kievsky Haggadah, who was quoting what Reb Chaim Kievsky wrote, he wrote an amazing pshat. The Gemara Megillah says on Daf Yud Aleph that Shalosh Malachim Malach Bekipa, three kings ruled over the whole globe. Who are they? Achashverosh, Achav, and Nebuchadnezzar. 
The remez is, Ana Hashem HaShiyana. Hashem, save us from Ana. Achashverosh Nuchanetzar Achav. I just made that up. Okay. There, so, Ana Hashem HaShiyana. Save us from these three kings. Toysus asks, what about Alexander? He's another Aleph. Nah, Alexander, uh, the Gemara doesn't count. He came later. Says the um, Rukhaim Knievsky, supposedly, God is the king of all kings. These guys, these Hebra, were the king of kings. They weren't just regular kings. They ruled over other kings. They ruled over the globe. And God is the king even over them. Okay, Marv Rabbi the last offering for this evening is a stira in the Haggadah that I don't think I was aware of. The Haggadah says as follows. To the one who acted for our forefathers and for us. So who's mentioned first? First our forefathers and then us. Interesting, because in the bracha of Asher Ga'alanu, we say, Asher Ga'alanu, that God redeemed us, and then he redeemed our forefathers. So why in Lefikach do we first mention our forefathers and then us, and then in the bracha we mention us and then our forefathers. This is the kasha of the Nesiva Yishamishpat. And the Baal Nesivah says as follows, when it comes to miracles, the miracles happen to our forefathers. So we mention forefathers and then we mention us. When it comes to the redemption of God taking us as his people, it's more important that he took me and you as his people than he took our forefathers as his people. So therefore we first mention the forefathers and then we, mention, uh, we first mention us and then we mention the forefathers. However, Rav Chaim Knievsky offers the following interpretation. When it comes to remembering the miracles, so it happened to the forefathers, and therefore we mention in, in Lefikach, we say to the Yishalayim, who did for our forefathers and to us, because in terms of the miracles, the Nisim, first comes Abayseinu and then Lanu. But in the bracha of Asher Ga'alanu, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about the performance of the mitzvahs. We're saying, because God redeemed us, so we're going to eat Pesach, Matzah, and Marah. Well, when it comes to the performance of the mitzvah, certainly what is incumbent upon us is primary and secondary is um, the fact that Hashem redeemed our forefathers. Marv Rabbi Yisrael Kanyevsky has many hundreds and thousands of chidushim on the Haggadah. These are ten uh, interesting ones. The Tain L'chacham V'yachcham Oid. If you want uh, more Chedushim from Chaim Kiyevsky, all you have to do is buy the Siach Sifsaysenu, the Minchas Toida, Rav Chaim Kiyevsky on Zmirois, Rav Chaim Kiyevsky Haggadah, Haggadah Taras Chaim, Taima Dekra, Siach HaPesach, Bedidi Havda Ovda, Minchas Toida, and I believe there are more as well. And you can see more Divrei Torah from Rav Chaim. Stay tuned for next week's schedule. Um, if I don't see you next week, but we'll try to uh, figure out a way to get together. Wishing everyone a wonderful evening. And please join us. Shabbos Hagadah Joshua, 5.30 Shabbos afternoon. Be well.